1: sanctification. Becoming like Christ is a process and is something that takes place over time. We have a part in it, yes, but everything is not immediate. And one of the things we are to be doing our part of the sanctification process is not persisting in sin because of what we saw
0: Jesus doing on the cross for us, taking the wrath of God. Our culture often states that the way we live is a private matter. However, God feels very differently about that. The way we live affects lots of people and also has an impact on the church, as well as its influence on the world. To those who call themselves Christians but don't live like it, the Apostle Paul has some important words in Ephesians chapter 5. While some of this might seem difficult, it is important we remember these are words of restoration, hope, and God's power if we give our hearts and minds to the process. Please don't give up. Instead, let your heart be filled with hope. Here's Pastor Jim.
1: Let me ask you a question. Um, that neighbor you don't like, when he, when he drives in the driveway with a brand new car, what do you think? You're like, I'm driving a beater. When well, my wife and I moved up here, we were driving through some rich neighborhood, and, and she goes, how do these people afford to live here? And I said, well, most of them probably don't tithe. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not very prosperity gospel, but it's probably partially true. I mean, to covet is to have an ungodly desire for more. It's to have an ungodly desire for what God hasn't given to you. Or let's go down the other thing he was talking about, perhaps, is, let me ask you a question, is, 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 is your identity and your sexuality, that seems to be the new thing in our, in our society, you want the bad news, and most of you know this, some of you don't, it will fade away. <laughs> not, you're, 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 there's other things that you can have on your mind, right? And uh, ask any parent what they spend a lot of time thinking about, and it's their kids. Or, or is my identity and my sexuality like the culture, or is my identity in Jesus Christ who promises eternal joy, who promises that will never fade away? And notice that he 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 just tucked away the cure at the end of verse 80. He said the cure is giving of thanks, remembering and constantly rehearsing and verbalizing the grace of God in our lives. What happens if we don't? What happens if we don't live as thankful Christians? Well, I think failure to be thankful often results in feeling sorry for ourselves. And what happens when we feel sorry for ourselves? A lot of people, when they feel sorry for themselves, they feel entitled to indulge in sin, like they deserve it And, and there's so many things that people do that we think that we we, we deserve. So you have a tough day, everybody treats you lousy do, do you Do you deserve a half gallon of ice cream? Some of you had to think about that one <laughs> or or maybe or maybe. You have a glass of wine every day, but, but when it's a difficult day, you feel entitled to six or seven glasses of wine. Verse 5, we, we see the serious consequences of immorality, um, and, and here the apostle puts on notice those who continue in blatant and habitual sexual sin. I mean, he just, he just puts them on notice with a stern warning. Verse 5... For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, uh, unclean person would be an immoral person, nor covetous man or woman, some versions say greedy, who is an idolater. Hmm, interesting, he ties that stuff to idolatry. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God? Wow. So notice the Apostle Paul calls this behavior idolatry. He says, when you participate in these things, you demonstrate that you love them more, you love your sin more than you love the Savior, and that is the mark of what? That is the mark of the old man. And that's what the Ephesians were before they turned to Christ, and that's what you and I were before we turned to Christ. That's what we were. But we have to realize the danger of going back. Going back to that, those old lifestyles, we often people often end up worse than they were in the beginning, and 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 it can easily become a lifestyle. Before you know it, you're dragged back in, and so the apostle is teaching us here that the way we live is an overflow of our heart, and that these sins are worship problems. The, these sins are, are are worship issues. They have become. Idols of the heart. So the, the prominent example he's using here is sex and sexuality. Well, let's just talk about sex for a second. All right? I'm going to make a, a, a tremendous presumption here. I think since God invented sex, that He's for it. That would just be a personal opinion of my own. That 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 He 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 is for it. But when it is when it is exercised within the bounds of which He has established. And the word of God stipulates and you can dance around it all you want. And, and I'm not saying it to be mean to anybody. I, I've, I've been at college places where people said we disagreed what he said on that, but man, he sure said it in a nice way. And, and, I, and I said to college students with tears in my eyes, I realize what I'm saying to you, to some of you will seem like a death sentence. I realize that. And that, that's, that's how much God you know, loves you and wants you to love him in return. And so the word of God clearly stipulates that 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 sexuality is limited to heterosexual marriage. Now, let's just stop for one second before anybody in this room feels any sort of self-righteousness about it. And this is how we need to communicate to people when we talk to people about this. Even if you're married, if your eyes... In your heart, are elsewhere. You are in sin, and that's where we have to talk to people on it. We have to say, "Listen, uh, that's this is not. I this is a difficult thing for me. This is sinful for me too. This is sinful for everybody. I don't know anybody this (laughs) that has a normal consciousness that this is not a struggle for in this day and age because it it is everywhere. It is everywhere." So if our eyes and hearts are elsewhere, married or not, we have a worship problem. And even if you are married, you won't be able to enjoy the gift as God has given it. And you will not please the Lord. Now, if you're not sure where you stand on this, I think he gives us a hint here that when it comes to sex, your crude and vulgar speech will betray where your heart is. Jesus said, from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that should be a clue, if you're talking in really perverse, vulgar way, crude and vulgar ways about it, that, that your behavior, while it may be inside the fence of God's approval, your heart is on the outside of God's approval. And until we are willing to speak with other people, who feel differently than we do about such issues, we will have no voice with them. We will act like we are holier than thou when in fact we know what goes on in our own hearts, in our own heads. But, but, rather, but rather than being angry about it, can't stand when people get angry about this stuff. I get angry when they get angry but rather than being indifferent about it, the church, and I'm not giving lip service to this, the church is to be known as the place of restoration. That we are to lovingly welcome in people who are seeking to be restored, who are seeking to be forgiven, who are seeking to be healed. However, it is very important to understand loved ones that restoration does not happen without repentance. So we can't soft-pedal the message. We have to be kind, we have to be loving. For many of us, we have to tell part of of our own stories, which is is very ugly, it's darkness, as he'll be talking about in the next section, And, and, and it won't happen without, restoration will not happen without repentance, it will not happen without the confessing of sin, and it will not happen without acknowledging our need and people's need to change. Now here's the pushback. Here's the pushback. And I'm going to push back hard on you on this one. Here's the pushback that I feel always coming at as me as a, as, as a pastor and as a teacher of the word of God. But that will make them feel bad. And I'm going to push back on you if you think that. You don't love them. You don't love them. Because if this book is true, that lifestyle, that, that flagrant thumbing them their noses at God is going to send them straight to hell. And let's love people enough to love them into the kingdom and, and, to, and to bear with them, to bear their burden. And for some people, it's a very heavy burden to carry. And they don't need our false, pious judgment and, and disgusting holier-than-thou attitude. We are unloving because repentance brings the grace of God. Remember that. Repentance brings the grace of God. Repentance brings the power to change. Next subject, once again, he did it again, second time. He, he mentions the sin of the West, a covetous man, he says here in verse 5. A, a greedy man or woman, a very, very deceptive sin, why is this a deceptive sin? Because no one or virtually no one thinks they're greedy. I mean, you just don't hear people talking about that. Yeah, well, if you're in a community group, uh, okay, what are your prayer requests for tonight? You don't hear people going, "I'm greedy. I'm greedy as sin, bro. Pray for me. <laughs> people just don't just don't admit that kind of stuff. they They just don't say it. I, when people come into my office and they say, I, I, I need to confess a sin to you and we need to bring it to God. I'm like, OK, I'm not expecting them to go. I'm really greedy. That, that's just not what it is. Or, or even in our own prayer closets, our own time alone with God. How many times have you said to God, you know what, God, I'm greedy. I'm greedy. In the business world, there's an old expression, the checkbook doesn't lie. And, and, and today, we'll, you know, some of you are like, I don't have a checkbook, what's that? Uh, the, the credit card statement or the bank statement or the online banking statement doesn't lie. And it may be helpful to think of money as time and as worship. Did we make a good use of our time in earning that money? Do I worship God in the way I spend money and how or what I do with my money? Verse 6 and 7 could have been written this morning. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Let let no one say all of this stuff is okay or let no one one say, oh, don't worry about it. God's fine with it. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Does that sound like God is kind of indifferent to it? No, no. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So what, what, what does that mean? Well, it depends upon how you take the, the, the angle of it. There's some people that are out there saying, oh, God's fine with this stuff. God's fine with this stuff. Well, well, stop talking for God, saying falsehoods. That's blasphemous. If you want to say I'm fine with it, that's one thing. But don't say God's fine with it. Don't be telling people it's okay. Don't be joining people in it. Or, or don't, don't be telling people there's no judgment. Don't be telling people that, that, that that's wrong. Listen, do we have to say it lovingly? I'm being forceful with this because I want us to know how important this is. And I think the Apostle Paul is being forceful with them. I don't think he's like, oh, yeah, bro, because of these things, the wrath of God, man, whoa, dude, comes with the son, to the sons of disobedience. I don't think that's hit the tone of what he's writing here. Now there's these guys called the Church Growth Movement. I get all their stuff in the mail all the time. I unsubscribe and they get me again. I don't know how they do that. But but they'll tell you and they are right. If you want to grow a big church today, avoid preaching about sin and gloss over anything that's uncomfortable. I know guys who say they teach verse by verse and I go, "Not really, you don't." And they're like, "What do you mean? That's so insulting." I go, "I don't care." You read the verses You read the whole chapter and then you highlighted the chapter and you kind of glossed over the tough parts. Now, here's the thing. If you have a church, if you pastored, if I pastored here and I avoid preaching about sin, most of you would leave. okay? but this place would fill up times 10 with other people. It really would. And you know what they would call me? Oh, he's a breath of fresh air. He's a breath of fresh air. But God will never call such a person a sweet-smelling aroma. He won't say, that's a breath of fresh air, man. he say, they stink. That's bad breath. That's not good at all. Sadly, in the name of freedom, people who confess Christ are being brought back into the bondage to sin again by that type of teaching. Now you say, why do you tell us this? We go to this church. Well, not all of you go here on Sunday and maybe you'll move and you'll have to make decisions about another church. I have to, I have to make you ready to, my job is to prepare you for such a decision. Well, I, I don't normally name names, but I'm going to name one right now and, and hear me out on this guy because I'm not entirely blaming him for it. Although, we'll talk about that in a second. Years ago, Joel Osteen rose to prominence with an unbiblical half-message. Half he, he only preaches, it's not so much what he says that I got a big beef with, it's what he leaves out. And so he had an unbiblical positive message and people would see this massive, massive church. What was the result of that? I think the result of that is today, and I'm going to invent a word that I stole sort of from a book, but uh, I'm tweaking the word a little bit. Today, many of our pulpits have become austenified. So what does it mean to be austenified? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say I don't blame Joel for it. He's going to have to answer to God for what he does in his own pulpit. He's going to have to answer like I will, like James 3.1, let not many of you become teachers for you will endure a stricter judgment terrifying verse, terrifying. What I'm concerned about is that there's so many Bible teachers, quote unquote Bible teachers, that are now following his example because they know it's a way to build a big church. Now, most of them are not teaching what he is, what he's teaching, but the style is similar. Little sin talk, throwing the cross at the end, and attracting a crowd. And the combination of false or incomplete teaching with the values of the world result in exactly what the apostle Paul is talking about here. Now remember we've said that he's in jail, probably in Rome, false teachers are following him wherever they go, wherever he goes, trying to you know take over the flocks where he is, combined with this immoral culture, and what is this? This is a Molotov cocktail for the old man coming back, for for a dog going back to its own vomit. And I know many people will call it freedom. The Bible doesn't. Many people will call it personal choice. Many people will call it love and acceptance. But that's not what God calls it. God calls it unholy living. But as we'll see in the next section, we are children of light. Now, let's make sure we're very clear on this before we go into the next section. I'll try to go through the next section just kind of quickly. But let's make sure we're really clear on something. Perfect? No. We have that? Perfect? No. Salvation, becoming a child of God, is an event. Somehow. And somehow in, in God, the Holy Spirit working on you, you coming to faith, God giving you faith, all of that mixture, which everybody's been trying to figure out for so many years, we're not going to settle it tonight. That brings the event of salvation. You are saved, the Spirit of God, remember from Galatians, God sends the Spirit of Christ into your heart. So salvation is an event, but sanctification Becoming like Christ is a process and is something that takes place over time. We have a part in it, yes, but everything is not immediate. And one of the things we are to be doing, our part of the sanctification process is not persisting in sin because of what we saw Jesus doing on the cross for us, taking the wrath of God. Now, verse 8 is a strong verse describing what happens at conversion. You definitely want to mark this verse in your Bible. For you were once darkness. Very interesting concept, because most of us would throw the word in in there, wouldn't we? Most of us would say, for we were once in darkness. He doesn't say that. He says, for you were once darkness. We were actual darkness but now, another one of those great buts, but now something has changed and he states a fact. This is not wishful thinking, but now you are light in the Lord and because we are now light in the Lord, he he gives us a command, what we call an imperative from the Lord. Walk as children of, of light. Because we are no longer what we were because now something has changed. We are to walk as children of the light. You say well what in the world does that look like? Well look at verse 9. For the fruit of the spirit some of your versions say light probably better uh, because it is similar to the fruit of the spirit from Galatians so some uh, one of the translators or one of the scribes might have changed it. For, you are, for the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of the light is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So that is what imitating the Lord looks like. And you say, well, well, how do, how do I know in a given situation? He says, verse 10, finding out. Another version says, discerning what is acceptable. Another version says, pleasing to the Lord. So we have to find that out. We have to get our nose in the book. And we have to find that out. And then in certain situations, we will know what to do. So he begins by by giving us God's point of view. Before anyone puts their trust in Jesus Christ, they were darkness. This is going to be a tough pill? That's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Because you know what that really means? That you and I were part of the realm of evil set against the Lord. That's what darkness is. And as citizens of the kingdom of darkness, we represented that kingdom. And again, this is hard. Darkness came to other people through us. We were distributors of darkness. But now, something tremendously has changed. This is similar to chapter two. But now we are identified with a new king and a new kingdom because that king commands us and because of that, the king commands us to walk as children of light. I love this. And again, this is so important to our understanding of the Christian life because too often, Followers of Jesus think the Christian life and and people who are not followers they just think the Christian life is we're just not supposed to sin. Now I'm not endorsing sin. But the apostles teaching is much more powerful than this being motivated by grace, empowered by the spirit of God, we are to live out the profound changes That God has made in us. So, going from dark to light, would you say that's a profound change? So, he says we are to live out with the help of the Spirit of God, with the light of Christ that is in us, we are to live out those profound
0: changes. That's it for today with Pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate, verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the Word of God is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Change by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible-teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us by writing us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.